What is up, flock and friends? It is I, your host, Rob Chappell, and this is another edition of Talking Flock, your full Mingo podcast. We're continuing to go full Mingo, uh, even if we don't really feel like it some days. Um, thank you for listening to this. I know it's it's not an easy time to be a Ford Madison supporter. Uh, we are winless in our last four. Um, we did have that fantastic comeback two weeks ago, but um, but this past uh, this past game didn't look like one of those. Like, boy, they sure tried hard, they just couldn't finish it in the end. It was, it was just a really, really poor performance. So, uh, I would you would be forgiven if you just kind of didn't want to think about this team for a week. But the fact that you are thinking about them. That you are listening to me right now, and you're going to be listening to your fellow fans very soon. We got a handful of rants. I um, was trying. I was thinking after the match, what are we going to do? <laughs> Who wants to talk about that game? I'm going to make a co-host come in here and 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 you know break down the plays and analyze it. No, we're not going to do that. So, but I did want to get the temperature of the room. So I got a, a handful of folks called in or wrote in or whatever, and you'll you'll hear their thoughts uh in a little bit uh first however please do give us a rating and review a subscription you know subscribe follow like whatever you can do wherever you listen to this um do that it helps boost us up the algorithm and helps more forward madison weirdos find us more soccer nerds find us um so do that real quick and then um Sit back because we're going to go through this game a little bit. I'm not going to dig too deep into this match because I just really don't want to. Um, you'll get my broader rant a little bit later after the fan rants, the other fan rants, I should say. Um, but in this match, and this is a theme we're going to hit a few times, there's no Cello Martinez in this lineup. Um, Cello Martinez has become one of those things like you don't know what you've got till it's gone. <laughs> if uh, if the if the mo- most valuable player is determined by whose absence is the worst, I think Chelo is the MVP of the season by far. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But so without Chelo in the lineup, um, it, uh, against uh, Tormenta, it was Moro Sichero and Eric Connerty. Pierre de Silva came into that match. And in 20 minutes, had an assist and a goal and looked really, really strong in that role. So he gets the start tonight, as we kind of speculated. Maybe he should get a start uh, if he's ready, because he's still coming back from knee surgery. He apparently was ready. He gets the start at that 6-8 uh, role, along with Eric Connerty. Um, and then the rest of the lineup was pretty much what you'd expect, including Jacob Krull, who we thought was going to be out for this match because of that red card, which was rescinded and overturned. But it, it starts out looking great, and, and Jake, both Jake Kroll and Pierre de Silva are involved in this goal in the eighth minute. Um, Chattanooga puts his, tries to put a pass forward. Jacob Kroll intercepts it. Nice quick forward pass up the up the wing to Pierre de Silva. Pierre gets one touch, pops it up over uh, Pedro Gomez for Chattanooga, who's in the midfield. Um, he gets caught kind of leaning the wrong direction. He's trying to corral the ball, trying to intercept it. Um, fails to get it and and is really his body's really out of position. So Derek is um, Derek Gebhardt is able to pick up the ball right on the touchline with with space right? because the guy who was marking him 
is kind of out of position now. Uh, and there's very little to analyze about this goal other than Derek Ebhardt is really fast. And once once he gets that ball and, and gets ahead of theme, his acceleration is such that he's going full speed very quickly, two steps, and he's at full speed. Um, so, you know, when you think about speed, you also think about acceleration. Like, what what is your top speed? If your top speed is really, really fast, but how quickly can you get to top speed? Derek gets to top speed very quickly. And on this goal, that's exactly what happened. He's at full speed within two or three steps. And um, the, the Chattanooga defenders are just uh, – they're not going to catch up to him. Um, so he's past the midfield, and then he's got the back line to deal with. And Mikel Williams, whose name will come up a few times tonight, um, is running straight back toward his own goal, which is never a good place to be as a defender. Um, he probably should have cut, tried to cut the angle off, but he also knew that Christian Cheney was in the middle of the pitch. So he kind of had to stay in a spot where he could stay in, a, in, in the passing lane, right? So that he could, you know, so that he could cut off the, the, the cross. But in deciding to do that, he lets Derek just carry into the box. And Derek could have played across to Cheney. Because Mikel Williams is not very fast, so both Cheney and Gebhardt were past were goal side of Mikel Williams, uh, but opted to take the shot, and um, it was a nice one. And it's one nil within um, within eight minutes, and you're feeling good. And Derek is looking angry because uh, I think Derek. We, if you listen to last week's podcast, I said Derek Gebhardt he's playing well, as you know. It's not, it's, there's no glaring mistakes, but you just haven't said his name a lot. He's been kind of quiet for a couple of games. And uh, he, I have no illusions that he actually listens to the podcast, but <laughs> if he does, good job, Derek. Uh, good job proving us wrong. Um, anybody, you know, gave that kick to the sideboard and he was very, they were very like, yeah, you know, very kind of mad and like defiant about that goal, which was really fun to see. And then it's 20 minutes of missed opportunities. And this is, and I said this on Twitter at the time, uh, lack of finishing is going to kill us here. Um, four minutes after the goal, Jaden Onan gets in behind again. This, the, the pace of our, our forwards and attacking midfielders and wingbacks, for that matter, have so much more pace than Chattanooga's back line. And we were almost we were able to exploit it in the first goal, and almost able to exploit it again in the second, uh, in, in the second goal. This Jaden Onan again on the left side, again bla- blazing by Mikael Williams, gets in behind, gets across into Cheney. Cheney is about two feet too far to the left, and I think he thought he was a little bit unaware of where he was. If he was about two feet further to the left, it's a tap in. Uh, as it was, it was a tap past. He tapped it, and it went wide and into the side netting. Had he been a little bit more situationally aware, he could have tried to drag it uh, to the far post. He could have stepped over it, hit it with his left. Obviously, this is this is happening at a breakneck pace. You don't have time to think about it. Uh, it's easy in hindsight to say what you should have done. But had he had he either just turned his hips and, and dragged it across with his left. Or even um, even with the outside of his right, was he, he tapped it with the outside of his right, but he tapped it straight ahead. And he tapped it toward the far post, it probably would have gone in. Uh, but it was another – and then Cheney had two more chances. 
another one he got uh, uh, on a cross. Um, or actually, it was it was a from a throw. It was it looked like a cross, but it was a Jacob Carl throw in that he got and and tried to drag it across and put it wide. Then another on a header uh, that was actually pretty well defended. It wasn't really his fault. Uh, was well defended and went out for a corner. Um, Chattanooga then had their first chance of the match in the 27th minute, and and this is a, a very um, this is a turning point sequence here. So I want to talk about it. 27th minute, Marius Lomas puts it over. A couple minutes later, um, Nizine Bartman and Jaden Onan are employing like kind of a high press. They're they're it's at the you know, in the in the middle of the park, but closer to Chattanooga's defensive third. Um, Bartman presses. He's pestering. He's pesky. He's he's causing trouble. He causes he forces the guy to, to do a lateral pass to the middle. Jade Nona steps in and, and picks the ball right off of um, of Mikael Williams again. Mikael Williams. Um, and, and Jaden is in. Once he gets that ball off of Williams, Onan is in. He's one-on-one with the keeper. Now, again, this is a second-guessing 2020 hindsight. He's got Nazim Bartman on the right. And Avilas, this the keeper, is entirely focused on Jaden Onan. He slides it over to the right, and Bartman's got to tap in. But he decides to take a shot, which, I mean, Derek Ebhart also had a passing option, chose to shoot, and it worked. Onan had a passing option, chose to shoot, and it didn't work because he didn't quite get enough on it. I think he hurried it a little bit. I think Williams, he thought Williams was closer than he was. He probably had time to take one more touch or at least time to look up and 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 try to direct it a little better. But I think he hurried a little bit, and he thought, I just got to get a foot on this, and he didn't get quite enough on it. He didn't get it elevated enough, and Elvis was able to clear it, or was able to save it, rather. And... The, and Bartman got very unlucky on the bounce because Bartman was right there to tap in the rebound, which is exactly he was exactly where you want to be. He just got unlucky with the angle of the rebound, ended up behind him. So, all that to say, we had within about a ten minute period, I guess closer to fifteen minutes, we had four chances and finished none of them. Now, uh, Ranting Blue Penguin on Twitter uh, said, and usually I get blamed for jinxing matches. I blame Ranting Blue Penguin on this one. He tweeted, um, Chattanooga looks bad. Can't believe, you know, whatever. Can't believe how bad Chattanooga looks. And I replied, and I said, our lack of finishing is what's letting them hang around. And they're going to just hang around. And that's going to not go well for us. And I was right. Um, because shortly, right before halftime, which is the, the worst time to concede a goal. Worst time to concede a goal is right before halftime. Uh, second worst. The worst time to concede a goal is uh, in stoppage time at the end of the match. <laughs> Uh, especially an equalizer, but we do concede the equalizer right before halftime, which which just does change the momentum. And um, you know, keeping in mind that that uh, Onan chance where he's one on one with the keeper, that was a little bit after the half hour mark. Uh, 
Um, and that's when uh, Chattanooga really started to grow into the match. Until then, we had the majority of the possession. Until for a half hour, we had majority of the possession. By the f- end of the first half, that had switched. Chattanooga had the had the majority of the possession in the entire first half, just based on their performance in the last fifteen minutes of the half, which is wild to me. Um, but they did grow to the match. The equalizer was deserved. Um, it was a punch to the gut. It came on a corner. Mitch Osmond got his head too. Didn't quite entirely clear it. Siobhan Marsh picks it up, slings it back in. Nico Cordona got a head to it and uh, a beat. I, I think it was Jacob Crawl. I think that he got uh, in front of. He took a step in front of to to nod it in at the near post. And and it was again. It was a corner kick. It wasn't directly on the corner, but it was on the second cycle of the corner kick, where our defense just sort of. Uh, switched off for a second, I think. So, uh, but that's just not, you know, to say that they did deserve the equalizer because they had been rocking on the door for like 15 minutes. Um, then in the second half, the same thing happens. Literally the same thing happens. It's a corner kick. It's headed away by Mitch Osman, not fully cleared. Um, Sam Brotherton got caught ball watching a little bit as it, it gets cleared, it gets collected, it gets put back into the mixer. And and uh, but it gets put over to the to the left to Chattanooga's left and McCoy Williams is standing there all by himself um, because the defenders once the initial corner was kind of cleared but not really cleared kind of took a breath and didn't get organized and left Williams standing all by himself and and he takes a step and as a defender you know from there you you, you let a defender stand there by himself for a little bit, like he's going to be able to try and finish it. And he did. It was a steep angle. It was not an easy finish, and he did a nice job with it. But then it's 2-1. And then, uh, of course, we are pushing for an equalizer late in the match. Um, Now, this is uh, uh, Jaden Onan gets dispossessed, and we're not able to recover. And um, we don't have that really solid midfield presence and the sort of the outnumbered midfield that we have had in the past. We talked a lot in the early days of this, of this season about how it just, we were overloading the center of the field and we always had an extra man in the midfield. And for some reason we've lost that. So when Jay Nona gets dispossessed, there's nobody to regain possession or to even stop the counter. Right. Cause as soon as you know, we're pushing, we our back line is pretty high but there's nothing but space behind Jaden Onan. So when he gets dispossessed, uh, Lombardi is able to, to carry for quite a ways through the middle of the park and, and, and push it forward to Siobhan Marsh. He carries it toward the byline. Um, and our line, our back line, our center backs, were, were high or in support of our attack because we're pushing for a goal. We're pushing for an equalizer, right? Uh, so they are at this point running straight back toward their own goal. They're not super fast guys either. Uh, Jacob Kroll is is hauling ass as fast as he can backwards, but Marius Lomas is standing right in the middle of the of the six yard box and is able to just tap in the cross. And I tweeted at the time that was like watching a slow motion train wreck. Like the whole time, as soon as Jaden got dispossessed, 
I'm, I'm watching it and I know exactly what's going to happen and you can see it coming and you can feel it coming and it doesn't feel good. So um, all of this, and uh, this will lean into my rant a little bit. All of this happens and, and those goals were all deserved and earned by Chattanooga. It was pretty poor defending uh, on all three of them, but here's, what, here's the thing. Like, they dominated the possession after the first half hour. They dominated the possession. They dominated the chances. And when you put yourself under that much pressure for 60 minutes, there are going to be moments where their offense is slightly better than your defense and they're going to score on you. You have to minimize the number of chances. And you have to do that by maintaining possession. And we were unable to maintain possession and to do anything with the possession we had. The possession was not – the possession that we did have after the half-hour mark, after uh, that last big chance that Jay Nonan had, like it just – any little bit of possession we had was not coherent and not cohesive and not um, forward. Right? So giving up the goals is one thing. And uh, we've given up 11 goals in the past three matches. Um, our, we, we, we say uh, we're surprised that this back line is giving up so many goals. But the reason this back line is giving up so many goals is that we are uh, – okay, let's caveat this. Let's say that the back line is – to blame for giving up a lot of the goals, um, but the re- but but they're giving up goals because they're under pressure, and they're under pressure because we're not having possession in the midfield, and they're having pressure because we are not finishing our chances. This could have been a game, even even if we we uh, had the same possession problems in the second half, even if we gave up the goals in the second half, we really could have won this game five to three. But we did not finish our chances, and that's. Uh, and the four chances that we didn't finish, three were Christian Chaney, one was Jaden Onan. Now, we've talked about how very, very good Jaden Onan has been. And he has been very good. And he was good uh, for the first half hour on Saturday. And he's been remarkably good in the past uh, five or six games. Even the ones we've lost, he's been the best player on the pitch. And in this one, he was good for half an hour, and he failed to finish a chance. And he was—he let himself get dispossessed, which led to the third goal. Uh, Christian Cheney is in the right places. He's doing the hold-up. He's drawing defenders, and he's not finishing his chances. Or he didn't on Saturday, at least. He's had – there have been moments in the game against Central Valley, uh, he, that fourth goal that he scored, that was pure composure. That's what you need from that veteran. It was physical strength and it was composure, and and he just didn't have that on Saturday. And then when he, when it, in late in matches when he's kind of the best, we we're already down by two, and we didn't have any possession to feed him anything. So all right, what I want to see now, we saw against Central Valley, we saw resilience within the match. Within those ninety minutes, we had a lot of grit and a lot of resilience to crawl our way back from a with the man down and a two-goal deficit to get a point out of that match. Now i got to see resilience from match to match. I need to see resilience of, from, from a, a poor performance. I need to see a bounce back to a good performance. 
that's what I, that's what I'm looking for this Saturday. I'm looking for grit, resilience, mentality, where you you bounce back from a you, you know, you've shown you can bounce back from a rough first half to salvage and result in the second half. I want to see you bounce back from a really poor game to put up together a really good game. We've seen it happen before this season, and uh, we I, I, we need to see it again this Saturday. So here's where I'm going to put in the rants uh, that I got. I got, I think, four. Uh, I got three audio and then one that I'll read to you. Um, so not as not quite as many as I expected. Maybe you guys aren't as angry as I am, <laughs> or or maybe you're at the point of not caring anymore, which is probably worse. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. I know everybody's busy. It was a holiday weekend. People didn't want to deal with this. So uh, this first one uh, is from uh, our old friend and uh, a longtime listener and Twitter follower, Aaron Eisenring. And then the other ones will identify themselves. So what do you think, Aaron? We need to be able to weather the storm when key players are out. Last year, Cassini was out for an extended period of time, and that basically snowballed into the slide at the end of the year. And now we've had Cello out, and I don't think there's any coincidence that our midfield is not the same without him. So we need Cello back, or we need somebody to step up and take that spot. Otherwise, we're just going to keep sliding. Hashtag soccer is hard. Hey, this is David Magnus Go. down in Orlando, Florida, at Flamingos. Um, we haven't gotten any updates on cello, and I think that that's really one of the linchpins to, to that, the recent downturn. The back can't play through the midfield. We're kicking long balls, and we're getting pressed hard, and the back line seems to get pressed and uh, lose the ball a little bit more often than we ever had before. Um, so what's going on with cello? Crew. My name is Scott Rogers from Section 109, calling from Verona today. I've got a couple of rants about uh, the, the Mingos this season, one on-field, one off. On-field, and more substantively, of all the things that the team is doing really well this year, and there are a lot, we've got a lot to be pleased with, one of the, one of the most impactful is creating chances. Uh, we, we're, we're establishing, typically early in most games, that we can be a shooting threat from well outside the box. We can be putting balls across inside the box, going direct on goal, uh, just creating terrific opportunities. Well, here's my gripe. Every time it seems like we have wonderful buildup, we have thoughtful possession, we pull it back when need be, we take smart opportunities and chances, we probe, as the British broadcasters like to say, we ask questions, and then we get a shot off. And if it's a shot from 25 yards out, it sails 20 feet over the goal. If it's if it's a shot from center of the box on a on a on a cross, it's five feet wide of the goal. Our last game where we were outscored three to one, we had two shots on goal. And if we give up three goals, two shots on goal, even if they both go in, loses you the game. Really, I just like to see us get more shots on target, make the opposing keepers work, make them have a good game. And if we get beat by a hot keeper having a great game, I guess them's the breaks. We're not, we're not asking that question. I don't know how you solve that. I don't know how you improve shot accuracy. If that's an individual player skill and practice preparation thing, if that's more about the quality of first touch opportunities on passes and on formations, I don't know. Don't know what the answer is. But that's been my biggest complaint this season so far is just the lack of shooting 
accuracy, wasting these wonderful opportunities that the boys are creating. Off the field, much less substantively, um, but almost, uh, for me personally, a bigger gripe is the decline in food quality at Bree Stevens, tied in my case mainly to the disappearance of that awesome food truck with the uh, chicken tonkatsu tacos, which for my money, two of those for like 12 bucks and a beer, one of the best and best value night out meals in the city of Madison, completely gone. The uh, closest analog I can find now is a, the, the, the decent uh, Philly cheesesteak, but either the bread is overcooked and too hard, but the meat and cheese are perfect, or the meat and cheese are overwarmed and crumbly and, and just hard and inedible, but the bread is perfect. In either event, it's not a great sandwich, and it's about the best thing I can find. Um, I hope that next season we get uh, a return to the more interesting and thoughtful food concession opportunities. And before then, I hope we're putting some shots on goal. Anyway, uh, thanks so much. Uh, hope we have a, a quick turnaround here for an exciting finish to the season. And uh, let's let's bring some playoff soccer here to Madison. Cheers. I thank you to everybody who called in. I got one more here for you via Twitter message from listener and Twitter follower Greg Gruby. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, after five years of following this team, I've gotten used to disappointments. So more numb than anything at this point, especially after the dud this past weekend. Last year, we ended the season with four of the last six at home with the playoffs in sight and proceeded to lose all four of those home games. Five of the last seven at home this year, time to prove this team can step it up and be different. I'll be there singing the boys on. I'm hoping for some fight and passion from them to finally get over the finish line this season and reward our loyalty to this club. Uh, 100% Greg, excellent uh, uh, rant there, very well said. Um, as I mentioned, what I want is uh, is that resilience and, and to, to, to show that this this team is, is different. It's not happening again. It feels like it's happening again. Um, 2020 almost doesn't count. 2021, we were never particularly good. Uh, 2022, we were really good. And in a great position to make a stretch run down the, uh, you know, a push down the stretch. And the wheels fell off. And we were not only losing, but losing badly and, and looking really poor. And the body language was bad and the, the locker room cohesion was gone. Right. Um, so as Greg very intelligently points out that we're in the kind of the same spot, sixth on the table and, uh, and on the precipice of, of dropping out and losing it all again. And um, oh, man, if that happens, you know, the, the, the club is using the hashtag five years of forward. Um, we might have to change that to four years of failure. Um, if you count making the playoffs as success, like we were successful in 2019, made the playoffs. Lost to FC Dallas's JV team in the semifinal, but we made the playoffs. We were the, one of the top four teams in the league. And since then, it's been failure. Um, if depending on how you measure success and failure. Um, I don't know if you saw the video, but uh, Club Lyon in France uh, lost to PSG 4-1. Uh, 
and they went over to their supporters as football players often do and to acknowledge them and the the fans spent like several minutes lecturing them yelling at them about their disappointment and it's in french so i don't know exactly what was said but it was a lecture and to their credit the leon players stood there and took it i don't think we're at that point yet i can't i can't envision our our boys coming over to the flock end and a capo with a megaphone berating them <laughs> about how disappointed we are uh but watching that guy uh, who's the guy lecturing leon is an older guy and and was pointing at the fans and was pointing at the players and was you know you could tell he was saying like we are here to support you and you are failing us we're you were disappointed um I had my. I was thinking, you know, I, I get it, dude. I, I feel you. Um, you know, we we've we're five years into this thing, right? Uh, we have waited. A lot of us who've been here a long time have waited our whole lives for our own club. We we tried, we tried the the Fifty Sixers, which is a terrific program, a terrific youth club, a terrific amateur program. My son played for the 56ers um, and we went to some games and they tried to, and, and when, when and Princeton club got involved with them, I don't know if you remember that they tried to make that like the, a, sort of like the top tier club in Madison. Like we thought that might be it. And then it never, never really took off. And, and we, tr- we tried to make Milwaukee Torrent our club. And we, tr- you know, and we, there was talk of MLS in Milwaukee a long time ago. Um, but we've just been waiting and wanting to have our own club for so long. And some of us, when you say our whole lives, some of us, our whole lives have been longer than the whole lives of some of you <laughs> who are listening. <laughs> um, so, of course, we finally get our club. We have our own, our very own club. And so, of course, we're disappointed when it doesn't go well. But I said this a lot last year. At least we have our very own club to be sad about, right? And we are sad because they're they are ours, and we love them because they're ours. And we're disappointed when they don't do well, and we're grateful and we're elated and we're excited when they do when they do well. When they when Stephen Payne scores that goal against Chattanooga to win it one nil. As a journalist, as an analyst, I don't, analyst is a, you know probably overstating it, but as a podcaster, as a guy who talks about soccer, um, I could look back at that game and tell you a lot of things that went wrong in that game. Like we didn't play well that match. That zero zero that that one that was zero zero for eighty nine minutes, not a great match. Uh, Stephen Payne rolling that goal in at the very end. On that beautiful assist from Jaden Onan, man, doesn't get any better than that. Um, so that's the emotion here, right? That's the, and that's the disappointment. And the, the, as as it as happy as that was that moment, the bitter disappointment of a game like this past weekend uh, is is just as pronounced. And it's just as pronounced right now. And, and, you know, we drop a couple games in early June. 
you're still like in third or fourth place. It's, you know, it's, it's a long season, whatever, whatever. Now we're getting to this point where like, this is it guys. Like, this is where you have to make your money. This is where you, you have to get hot at the right time. Right. You can't let it fall apart now. So on Saturday, I'll be there. We'll talk a bit. We'll talk in a, in a little bit about the implications of this match, which I'm sure you know. If you're listening to this, and if you listened this far to this, you know the implications of this match on Saturday. Uh, we have five games at home before the end of the season. Uh, there's going to be several thousand, four thousand-ish people at each one of those games who have sp- spent a good deal of their money to be there to watch you play football. To be there to cheer for you, to sing for you, to to show you all their love and support, and uh, it is very important to me that I see that you give a damn, that you care. Of course, you care. If you're a footballer, if you're a professional soccer player, of course you care about playing soccer. That's what you've done your entire life. That's what you've dedicated your youth to. So, of course, you care about playing soccer. Here's the thing. I really care about my job. Right? I'm a journalist. My job is I'm one of those Gen X people. Like my job is kind of my identity also. So I care about it a lot. And I really want to do a good job all the time. And I think about it all the time. And I think about when I'm not thinking about soccer, I'm thinking about journalism. I'm thinking about specifically the journalism that I do for Madison 365. I'm thinking about Madison. I'm thinking about the stories that I need to tell about Madison and Green Bay and about communities of color and about marginalized people. And I'm thinking about uh, community journalism. And I'm thinking about communication theory. You know, I, I care about my job. And about this specific job that I have. I don't, it's not that I just care about journalism. I care about this job that I do every day. And I want you boys on the pitch and on the bench to care about your job as much as I do. Uh, and it's, it's not reasonable for me to care this much about your job. Your kids in your 20s. Right? I get it. But I want you to care about your job. Your job is not just to play soccer. Your job this year is not just to play soccer. Your job is to play soccer for Madison. Your job is to play soccer for Forward Madison Football Club, for this community, for this club, for us, and for yourself, and for your teammates. If it's your job just to play soccer, you're going to like do what you got to do to get through the rest of the season and move on. And that tells me you don't you care about your career, but not your current job. I need you to care about your current job. That's what I want to see on Saturday, and that's n- not what I saw on Saturday in Chattanooga. I did see that. Honestly, we'll talk more about the Knoxville match, but the, the last home game I saw, they looked like they cared, and they were trying hard, and it didn't come out for us. But we'll talk more about that in a minute. So that's my rant. I hope I hope that's not uh, too much. Again, um, I I didn't want to. I don't want to trash any individual players. Um, I think our our back line needs to be better. Uh, I think it's that's too facile, right? That's too easy to say our back line needs to be better. Our back line needs to have less pressure on it because we need better uh, midfield possession. 
Speaking of midfield possession, I did hear from the club about cello. A couple of you mentioned cello. <sighs> so the last time I heard anything about cello, when the first time cello Martinez was not in the lineup, I heard it was a slight knock. That was like a month and a half ago. Now the word is we hope to have him back this season. We hope to have him back this season. Um, I'll give you the actual. Uh, this is the, the, the wording of the text I got back from uh, my friend Evan at the club. The club doesn't have an update at this point. He continues to be day-to-day, and we expect him to return this season. Okay, it's not that we hope to have him back this season. We expect him to return this season. It might be too late by then, guys. Um, the If you remember our midseason roundtable, we talked about what are we concerned about. At that point, we were like second in the table. And we really had to think hard about, boy, what are we concerned about? Because everything is so perfect and so good. I talked about consistency. Right? That's proven to be correct. But also, um, Andrew and Grant and Kelly all talked about injuries. Now, they were talking, thinking in terms of, like, Derek Gebhardt and Stephen Payne and the, the really important role they played in this team as wingbacks. And what if one of those goes down? I'm not sure we have another guy who can jump in and play wingback the way they do. Turns out... It's Chela Martinez that we needed to worry about. It's our number six. Um, Andrew Wheeler-Amanu is a great number six intellectually. His body's just not there the way it used to be. He had a herniated disc in his back um, that has set him back, and he's you know pushing 30 years old. Um, Aiden Macias, on the other end of the spectrum, very bright and talented, uh, a lot of pace, um, a lot of good decision-making, really green and inexperienced. Chandler Martinez is the absolute uh, linchpin of that midfield, as it turns out. Now, if he's not back this Saturday, which it doesn't sound like he will be, can Pierre de Silva fill that role? It looks to me like he can. However, he can't do it quite the, himself the way Martinez does. So maybe we have to need, get Aiden Macias back in there. If it's De Silva and Macias, maybe they could do it. Okay, I'm I'm off my script here. So we're going to talk around the league real quick, and then we'll look ahead, and uh, and then we'll cross our fingers until Saturday. So last week, Wednesday, second straight time, uh, Central Valley Fuego get into a wild draw, drawing 3-3 with Richmond. We're scoreless in this one for 43 minutes. Uh, Jao Camaro got the kickers on the board. On a corner, then Chandler O'Dwyer um, doubled the lead in the 54th minute, also on a corner. Uh, just five minutes after that, Fuego got one back on a penalty, and then two minutes after that, they level it um, thanks to some very questionable defending from Richmond. It was kind of one of those chaotic pinball type goals. And then Francis uh, Francois Dulacy gives Central Valley the lead in the 76th. So you feel like, boy. Fuego's come all the way back to win this thing. And then uh, 16-year-old Nicholas Simmons gets his first goal again on a corner. Richmond scored three goals on corners uh, to, to equalize um, very late in this one. Uh, and, and they um, share the points uh, in Richmond. And then on Friday, Lexington and Greenville also played a draw, 1-1 in this one. Tate Robertson with uh, a goal, easy goal of the week candidate well outside the box on the left wing 
um, to, to score in the first half. Then uh, eight minutes into stoppage time, this this felt familiar. This is in Lexington. Lexington's winning at 1-0, and Jamie Smith gets his head to a corner eight minutes into stoppage time, like past what the original stoppage time was supposed to be. He gets his head to a corner and steals a point for Greenville. Um, also on Friday, Knoxville beats Sermenta 3-1 in Statesboro, Georgia. They got two early goals from one from Giovanni Castro, Calixtro, and one from Jordan Skelton, right uh, on the so it's two 0 and right on the hour mark. Um, both Nick Okoto for Tormenta and Gio Calixtro for Knoxville sent off after a little altercation. Ian Cameron, head coach for Tormenta, also sent off because he stepped onto the field of play. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, so he gets sent off. So anyway, we finished this one 10 versus 10. Jake Keegan, our old buddy, got a third for Knoxville. Uh, and Mukwele Akele did get one back for a really gorgeous curler. He's got a goal of the week candidate as well. Unfortunately, it just didn't do any good to impact the match. Uh, and and Tormenta loses that one 3-1. Then on Saturday, while we were uh, playing our game, uh, North Carolina beats Central Valley 2-1. Central Valley got a penalty and converted it just two minutes into this one, but that's all they would get. Jaden Cervania leveled it on a free kick, and then uh, substitute DJ Benton got the winner in the 89th. More late drama here on a corner kick. Um, and then on Sunday, rare Sunday match, Northern Colorado beats Charlotte 4-2. to two. About an hour of a re- weather delay here, but then once things got going, Trevor Amon did not waste any more time. Uh, Sixth minutes into this one, the score is his 19th goal of the season. Sets the all-time scoring record uh, for the most goals in a season in USL League One. With uh, and he still got seven games to go, guys. <laughs> so he'll have he'll get into the 20s. Will be the record by the time this one's all said and done, probably. Uh, Gabriel Oberton equalized for Charlotte on the hour mark. Northern Colorado took the lead on an absolute laugher. A few minutes later, Austin Pack, one of the best goalies in this league. Uh, had a ball in his hands and it just was, it was spinning or something and it just spun right through his hands and into the goal. And it count, it's uh, chucked up as an own goal. Charlotte again, then equalized though on a penalty. And then uh, at the end, uh, Noah Powder got the, got the winner, a real banger from about 20 yards away. And then Marky Hernandez on a spectacular solo effort added one more for another Colorado late into stoppage just for good measure. Um, so where that leaves us is North Carolina still in first place on 47 points. Northern Colorado, four behind them on 43, tied with Union Omaha. They both have uh, Northern Colorado, Omaha, both 43 points and 12 wins, which means the second tiebreaker is gold differential. Northern Colorado is ahead there, 14 to 8. Charlotte in fourth with 40 points, and then Greenville and Madison both uh, tied for fifth slash sixth with 37 points. And again, it comes down to goal differential there. Wins is the first tiebreaker. We each have 10 wins. They have a goal differential of plus six. Ours is plus one at this point. Now, Knoxville in seventh with 35 points, thanks to their uh, win and our loss. Um, they're only two points behind us. Now, if you had said at the beginning of the season, circle September 9th, Knoxville at Madison, that's going to be the key match in the entire season. That would not have been something you'd predict. However, it absolutely is that. If uh, a win or a draw, 
keeps us in the top six and a win would give us some separation between us and Knoxville. We'd be, uh, you know, five points clear of the line, regardless of what happens to Greenville or Charlotte or anybody else. Um, if however, we, we draw, we're still two points clear of the line, which would be fine. If we lose, we're in seventh and we're one point behind sixth, which means we could climb back in. However, we don't play Knoxville again. Um, but, uh, and, and at that point we could get back into the playoffs, but we'd have need help from other teams. As long as we're above the line, we have our own, we control our own destiny, right? This is a massive match on Saturday. Now, the last time Knoxville came here was also the last time we had a home game. That's how long it's been since we've had a home game, you guys. Um, but let that, in that game, we had 56% of possession. We outshot Knoxville 28 to 8. We put 10 of those shots on target, and we lost 2 to 1. Now, we did that without Chela Martinez. Uh, so we, we did boss the midfield without him with uh, Mauro Cicero and uh, Aid Macias in the midfield. Uh, we were definitely the better team, even without Cello that night. But again, we didn't finish our chances. Lizzie Barman scored a beauty. Um, but other than that, we didn't finish the chances we had. So that was a game we sh- could have won, should have won. And, and it's a game I hope that we will win on Saturday. Then we have a short week. We have not, but not too short. We have a Thursday home versus Richmond. We've beaten them twice already. It's hard to beat the same team three times, but we have shown that we're better than they are, generally speaking. Um, then the following Wednesday, we're home versus Northern Colorado. Then we're away at Charlotte that Saturday, then home to Lexington, away at Northern Colorado, and we finish the season home versus Omaha. So seven games left. It seems like we're going to need about in the range of 50 to 52 points to get into the playoffs. That means we need two points per game for the rest of the season. The last five games, we've gotten less than one point per game. We really need to turn something around in this in these last seven matches. Uh, we have to get results. We cannot lose more than a couple of these matches. We have to first um, beat Knoxville, get a little bit of separation between us and the playoff line, and then we can maybe settle for some draws and maybe drop one in there somewhere. But we have to finish strong. Can we do it? I have much more confidence in this group than I did last year's group. I think um, this this team on this past Saturday didn't look like a playoff team. Um, they've had spells like that earlier in the season where they didn't look like a playoff team, and then they did look like a playoff team after that. So last year. I said, even when we were still in contention, when we were like in sixth or seventh place last year, I said, this this team's not making the playoffs. I, they just don't have it. This team, I believe, does still have it. I think they can make it. I think they can stay above the line. I think they can get a massive win this weekend. I think they will calm themselves down. They will not hurry their chances. They will focus. They will get some uh, possession in the midfield. Now, They've told us repeatedly they need us. 
right? They need us to show up. They need us to encourage them. They need us to show them we support them. Um, this is a two-way relationship. We got to show up and show them that we support them. And in return, they will sh show up and uh, show us that they care. And uh, they did last time. Like I said, that game against Knoxville, they were the better team. They looked like they cared. They had a lot of grit and a lot of hustle, and it came up short. And that happens sometimes. Uh, we can't let that happen anymore. So we'll be there. I hope you will be. I hope you'll be singing. I hope you'll be chanting. I hope you'll be uh, following along. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Flock. You can follow me at RobChapel365. Uh, the Talking Flock is a production of the Soda Soccer Network. Produced by Jeremy Rushing, hosted by me, Rob Chappell. Have a great week, and we will see you Saturday at Brees Stevens Field.